Wednesday day fryer. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. Eric Hahn is here. Eric, say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. And we're going to talk about something that we know about and some of you know about, but you probably don't know about it in the way that we know about it because the stuff we learned, this is getting very complicated, the Remotus Institute and the courses that we've been taking there. Um, we're both really, really excited about it because there's some tools that we've learned to use that have the same names as old tools, but they're not the same as the old tools and they work in a very different way and get people engaged at a, at a level that is profoundly different. What we know is better than what you know. There we go. <laughs> I would say no judgment, but there's judgment. Absolutely. A lot um, of judgment in this. So, Eric, what are you allowed to tell these people about what you do for a living? Well, I work for the beautiful state of Washington over here on the left coast, up in the top left-hand corner. Beautiful evergreen okay. state. I work for um, the Department of Labor and Industries which runs our workers' compensation system. Okay. Um, we're somewhere between the sixth and 10th largest workers' compensation carrier in the United States. Wow. Um, running about 100,000 uh, claims a year coming in. Okay. Um, small percentage of those go to, um, you know, people getting benefits. And then my job is to regulate the system that helps those people get back to work. So okay. we're running the um, return to work program here. Okay. All right. And how many people are you working with? I work with, oh, our program probably has maybe about 20 internal people. Okay. But we work with about 400 external providers, okay. the people that actually work with the people that are hurt on the job. Okay. We hire them to work with... Um, our people. Okay. Is it, I'm assuming that most of the people that you work with internally have, have been in their position or, or will be working for the agency for the duration. Like, yes, that's one of the people, appealing things about the job, right? It's got a lot of safety. Yes. It's a very um, secure job. Okay. It's our system is um, <clears throat> very stable over many, okay. many years. And which also allows us in our the size of our program to do a lot of innovative things because mm -hmm. um, we're small compared to the hugeness of our workers' compensation system. Okay. And the people that are in the field, and this is just me, like I'm just making this up in my head, but my assumption is that if I was somebody who was like a caseworker going out to help people get back to work, that there's a point at which I burn out from that work. It is, yes, it's very emotionally draining work. Okay. And um, our reforms have made it so it's even more emotionally draining because we're more, way more focused on the goals and needs of the worker, the person who's off work. Okay. Um, more focused on what they need than it used to be just what the system needed, process the people through, yeah. eject them out. Now we're much more there to provide them services and help them, which actually turns out to be way more cost-effective in the long run. Okay. Um, so we're innovators. We're actually looked up to innovators in the field of um, return to work. Okay. And I, and I want to share something about my opinion of, of you, Eric. So Eric is the opposite of what I think of when I think of a government worker. <laughs> I think of people in government who took the job to just like sit at their desk and like run the clock down and, and, 
just make as little move as little as you possibly can because it's just there. They're not going to fire you. But Eric is somebody who has spent a lot of time finding ways to make it a really good place to work and to get people excited about it. And I've talked to some of these people and seen the impact that it's had. So maybe you, can you comment on that a little bit? Like what makes you want to do that? Cause you don't have to do any of that stuff. Oh, that's very kind of you, Dave. Um, well, so the, the place kind of imposes this learned helplessness okay. on our, our employees here. Right. Um, they're, they're victims of a complex system that is very uh, rigid. And the people that pay the benefits, they have very strict rules they have to follow. They're highly regulated, accounted, audited. Okay. Um, but my passion is to make the people that are suffering their job just a little bit better. Okay. Right. Involving them in things. Um, letting their voice be heard, letting them have input into their own processes. And coming out of the pandemic, it's quadruply difficult because um, everyone's went home yeah. and no one wants to come back. So we have this extra challenge of people being displaced from their actual work environment. Right. And, and what you've said to me in the past, they don't want to come back because they like being at home and they don't want to come back because there's nobody there. Exactly right. <laughs> it's the famous catch 22. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just something okay. that is, is very challenging, but I just have to accept it. Okay. So um, Eric and I have spent a lot of time over the past year studying different things and working on stuff and some of the projects we've done together. And a lot of it is about creating um, the right kind of environment for your team to thrive. Um, and so what we're going to talk about today is a team charter, but not the team charter that you're thinking of or that I'm thinking of when I think about what I learned when I was preparing for PMP or when I was a project manager. This team charter is a completely different thing. Um, and what we're going to talk about is like how Eric and his team went about building one, the impact that this had. But if you, if you, met me in the hallway and I didn't know what you were talking about. And you were like, let's do a team chart. And I was like, Oh my God, I have one in my desk for my last team. We'll just use that one because nothing's going to change in it anyway. This is not that right. How would you explain? This it is, this is not that it's, um, actual delve, actually delving into the people's hopes and dreams and okay. trying to help them find value in their own work. And I'm very fortunate in that our current boss tasked me with um, creating a culture of continuous improvement. Um, so that's all, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. So I figured, well, how am I going to do that? In a government agency. In a government agency where people have a lot of learned helplessness and we're displaced and we're disengaged. Yeah. And um, so I figured, what do I have to lose? Okay. I'm going to, you know, they funded me to take the, this great, um, Lean Agile Visual Management course um, from Jim and, and Tony Ann at yep. Modus Institute. And they lay out a very, very nice um, process how to do a team charter, a communications agreement. And out of that comes this values matrix that all sounds like all this technical bullshit, <laughs> but 
it's not. It, it sounds like stuff that we've all done before and has had no impact at all. And I will also attest to the fact that when I went through creating these things, I was like, oh, my God. Like, there's layers underneath this stuff that you never would have found if you did it the old way. That's exactly right. And it's the layers that are the good stuff. Um, fortunately, I had a small team of four new staff members okay. that all come from state government, but wanted um, to try to make things better. And I was just able to experiment and just follow the instructions um, to make the biscuits. And it pretty much ended biscuits in people having these breakdowns, you know, pretty close, yeah. uh, emotionally raw, all their fears came out and we talked about them and shared them. And um, it's allowed us to be a way better functioning team. We trust each other. Um, the collaboration is way stronger. And it was, it was a lot of work, but it was definitely worth it. So the, I, I want to try to give like a high level explanation of this stuff. My understanding of things like charters and working agreements and communication plans coming out of my project management background is it's something that the project manager would kind of walk the team through in the beginning. Maybe let them put a little input in, document it, hang it on the wall, and that's what we're supposed to do. And it's really more about governance than anything else. Whereas the stuff that we're talking about is intended to give the team insight into what drives each one of them and all of them together and that will inspire and motivate them to rise up and thrive together and manage themselves together. Um, I mean, you brought hope to government workers, which <laughs> talk about I, alchemy. I, I, I don't want to overstate it, but I, I think we did. And I mean, we have our strategic business office here yeah. that will give you a boilerplate with all your governance stuff with the lines and little boxes and your communication plan, just fill in the blanks. Right. And um, those always seem to be totally meaningless to me. And I took all the project management courses. Um, my boss funded me through all of the thousands of dollars of very good courses, you know, your PMP <laughs> stuff. And at the end of it, I decided I don't want to do this. This is stupid. Yeah. And he said, oh, that's okay. Um, at least now you know what those people downstairs do are talking about. Yeah. So, so you can talk their game and, and, you know, collaborate with them and work with them just fine. And then right. do your kind of um, guerrilla engagement and okay. morale boosting on your own time. All right. So can you kind of walk us through what your communications plan and team charter were and like how you went about, you said step-by-step, step, like how you created them. Yeah, sure. So let me see if I can share my screen, see if this works. Okay. So here is the first step. This is the team charter. Um, it, it comes ready-made with, of course you have quadrants, you need quadrants, you either need a trinity, you need three things or you need four things. And here we have four things. So that uh, appeals to that aspect. Okay. And this first box is your kind of your traditional, kind of like I did a very simple exercise, the Simon Sinek golden circle thing today. Um, you have to explain what that is to people in case they don't read Simon Sinek. Oh, I do have to explain that? Yeah, not everybody's going to know what that is. Oh, okay. If you're going to so, go name dropping here, you got to like lay it out too, man. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> 
So Simon Sinek is um, the master of the TED Talk. Right. Really, really compelling. Um, he's kind of like an entrepreneur. I mean, he's not quite an Elon Musk kind of guy, fortunately. He's just um, figured out the way to engage people and sell their product at the same time. Okay. And part of that is you need to know why it is that you're doing what you're doing um, in the first place at your business. Yeah. Seems very, very simple. You've got your why, you've got your how, and you've got your what. Mm -hmm. And people always know what they're doing. They kind of know how they're doing it, but they never know according why. to him, they don't know why. Yeah. Or they don't have a shared um, vision of the why. And okay. even just doing that part um, can kind of get people at least aligned a little bit um, with some kind of shared understanding of so what how, they're doing. I'm really curious about the vision thing and how that plays out in a government agency because you don't, it's not like you have a lot of freedom there. I mean, you have to do stuff. That's um, right. But when you say why, are you talking about us as a team understanding the why, like why we have this policy or is it why each person is there? So the way this um, exercise that we did, it was about our little team and we called it our MODIS team and they all took the problem solving training. Okay. Um, so we kind of had a, a base to start with and it's like, well, why, what, what is the value of this team itself? You know, so we got away from, we know what the, you know, the goal of the agency heal and return to work, contribute to a prosperous state government all that kind of good stuff. This is right. much more um, personalized to, at least when we did it, to learning, collaborating, okay. and why we want to do that. So um, the as question- in, As uh, individuals, like as individual as people in on this team. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And the questions are pretty straightforward. Um, why are you doing what you're doing? What does our product or service do? Who are we doing it for and how are their lives better off because of it? Those were the questions that Jim and Tony gave um, in the exercise to start with. Mm -hmm. And of course, you can use whatever questions you want to use, but I had never done it before. So I just took what they had and we kind of made it fit on what we were doing. So, um, so why are we doing it? For example, learn how to identify problems learn how to solve problems, mm -hmm. um, be a resource to other people on problem solving. Um, it was that kind of thing. Just okay. why, why do we want to have a problem solving team? And then yeah, they so, get into like what, what um, I couldn't tell from what was in there because I can't see through my camera, but uh, <laughs> does it get, I mean, you and I've had conversations before about um, coming to work at a place you work for yourself, you get a paycheck from a company. Like you go to work to practice a craft or something that you are personally invested in and you do it at a company so that it's mutually beneficial for both. Were they at that level or were they just like more at the, this is what we do here level or a mix of both? Well, yeah, I guess it was a mix of both. Okay. Um, so yeah, first you do the vision. Mm-hmm. Then second section is expectations. What Which do we expect is? of each other? What do we expect of ourselves? 
Okay. Um, what do we expect from the group? What did that surface? I, I imagine there were things that came out of that that you weren't sort of expecting to see. Let's see. What did that surface? I wish these were easier to see. Um, well, how, maybe explain the color coding first. How does is each person? Oh, have there their is own no. Color? That's just whatever color they picked. Okay. There's no. Okay. But it's things like be humble, um, take constructive criticism. Okay. Um, try not to be easily offended. Um, be open to ideas that are not your own. Um, kind of basic principles of Buddhism. I, you know, a lot well, of it. Can I can I add on on that a little bit? Because that was yeah. this was a big one for me. So when we did it on the team I was on, we each had our own color. Um, so that way you always knew who was putting some, you know, up there. And like one of mine was an expectation of how people would give me feedback. Like I have a request. If you're going to give me feedback, I want it swift and merciless with no thought towards caring about my emotions. Like I'd rather you punch me really hard now and I recover from it than me try to figure out where you punched me. Um, but also we talked about expectations in terms of letting people know like when you were and were not available, uh, when you needed help, how you needed help. One of the guys on our team is creates a, a lot of content, a lot of video content, more than I can consume. And so I had to say, like, look, I'm not, I'll watch some of it, but I'm not, not going to watch all. And, and part of that was kind of awkward too, because it's like, if you're very creating something, I'm saying like, yeah, I'm not going to watch all your stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. But, so, I mean, you do need a team that these were all people. I only know, knew one of them before. Um, you need people that are fairly self-aware and okay. that want to be a part of um, it. to kind of lay it out there. This yeah. would not work. It would be much harder um, with people that are very closed off, not introspective, and are only there to phone it in. These so are they have to show up and show you their Brene Brown collection before they're allowed to participate yeah. in the conversations. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, you got your expectations, um, and we don't need to dive very deep into all of these, but... Well, what are boundaries? What are the boundaries? Maybe you can explain, like, what... Okay. Let's what see. That I haven't means. looked at this for a while. Um, like, what professional boundaries exist on our team? Um, who needs to be included? Who needs to be involved? Who needs to be informed? So that's so, external to our team, right? That external, yes, exactly. Okay. Exter well, both internal and external, but most of this was about a lot of these folks had been beaten down over mm -hmm. the years. Whenever they brought an idea forward, it's the yeah, buts. Well, yeah, but did you think of this? Yeah, but you, did you think of that? And it just crushes the life out of these people. Yeah. So we had to, you know, decide on how can we be safe, psychologically safe. Mm -hmm. to develop new ideas, and then to have a good boundary um, for when we agree we'll share this with other people. Okay. So that so way I, nobody's like one person on your team's going to like air out something that nobody else wanted to air it out. Like you have an agreement there. Explicitly exactly. stated. Okay. Right. And so they could be um, comfortable bringing up crazy stuff. Okay. And I think that helped them a lot. Um, that they didn't have to be scared about being yeah. ratted out for by having a you know maybe a stupid idea, mm -hmm. um, and then victory. The victory part is similar to the vision part, 
And I can't really explain the difference right now. I, I'll, so I can give my example for this one too. Um, yeah. So when, when I worked on it with Mark and Deshantan, we were talking about creating a podcast. And um, what was super interesting to me is that we all came into it with this idea of creating this podcast. We thought we were on the same page. I, I would have sworn we were on the same page until we got to victory. And then what surfaced was oh. each of us had a different definition of victory. Like for me, it was, I want to create a podcast that we're going to keep doing. We're not just going to bail on it in like six weeks. For Thishanthan, it was, it's got to be a, of a certain level of technical excellence. So we wanted to use like the best possible tools. Whereas me, like, I don't care, I'll, you know, yeah, whatever. I'd give recorded on a phone. Um, and Mark really wanted one that was going to offer value to people that listen to it. So each of those things is important, but just, and that's one of the things with these tools is that these are things we all assume we agree to, but until we explicitly have the conversation, you don't really know. And, and just having to acknowledge that there were three different ways of looking at victory, that's what kind of opened the door for the whole value matrix. And, and that for me is where this whole system became incredibly profound. That is an excellent point. Um, just on our last uh, call that we do for the MODIS um, class, yeah. Jim brought up that they've made these kind of purposely confusing. So people, it, it, it causes these kind of conflicts, if you want to call them that. Yeah. But different people thinking that they meant something different and that that really in and of itself brings out a lot of... Um, that's where the heart of collaboration. Yeah. Starts with a little bit of chaos. Yeah. And then you rise out of that um, with some mutual understanding and some trust that the people had your back when um, everyone was kind of confused and didn't know what to do. Yeah. Cool. And most people, I think, would be uncomfortable with that. Um, but for some reason, I didn't. I didn't care. It, you know, it was like you. You don't care what you know the technical aspect of the podcast. You just want you. It's the joy of creating, probably. And this yeah. is just the joy of of doing it and working with the people. Um, and it doesn't really matter what the result is. But I want to. I want to pause for because what's so, at least in my opinion, what's so amazing about these tools is that. You're having conversations that don't seem like a big deal that you might have had or might not have had or would have like glossed by or you would have just told everybody what the answer was. But in hearing from the other people and talking through like, okay, tell me more about that. Like, why, why is that a big deal to you? Um, you get to know your team members, but more importantly, you get to know what drives your team members. I know that Shantan cares a lot about this particular thing. And that explains volumes to me about why he's always doing this or why he's always doing that. And that's where you get that connection that I don't think I've ever seen from a traditional project approach to this stuff. Yes. And what, what this brought out that I think was the most helpful was it brought out people's fears. Yeah. Um, so we, we had a conference that was coming up and everyone was terrified that they would have to present something in front of 200 people at this conference. So whenever we started talking about it, every, and I knew that we wouldn't really have to do anything big. Right. Everyone got real kind of sheepish looking every time I brought it up. Right. And it's like, what the hell? What is going on? How, how can you keep 
doing that. Getting that twitch. Like, well, <laughs> I had this one time where, you know, I had this presentation and I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I was totally embarrassed and humiliated. Yeah. And I don't want that to happen again. Um, so that was, that was very valuable coming out of this kind of this learned helplessness um, environment where people just have things done to them. They yeah. don't, they can never come forward themselves. And this gave them the courage because they knew it was safe. And then when we get to this value matrix, it's, you know, what is our current state? Well, we're scared shitless yeah. <laughs> that we're going to have to present it. Okay. Well, next month, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to at least come up with an outline of what we would say if this was going to happen. You know, we just put little baby steps towards what their fear is. Yeah. Um, kind of little exposure therapy, I guess. Well, and that, and that, I think for somebody who's managing other people, like the profound thing about that is that you've identified that everybody on your team is like apoplectic about presenting in front of other people. And then you can start to pursue why. And then you can start to maybe see if they're open to growing through that, right? So the place where they work is not just a place where they're getting a paycheck and showing up and punching a clock, but now it's a place that's helping them identify and if they choose to, working through some of these fears that they have so that whenever they do leave the company, they're a better version of themselves than they were when they got there which is a great gift to give to people you're working with. And it makes the professional growth safe. Yeah, because and they make the choice, right, what they're willing to risk. Exactly. So, for example, okay. just on that exact – let me see where – so this is – just to jump over, the next thing is a communications agreement, which is not very exciting. It's exactly what you would kind of think it is. For you, it's not exciting. For me, it is for, for us, And for us, we didn't have – we just went right through that, took about half an hour – it didn't really bring up. And suddenly, Eric soon decided it was not working at a sustainable pace. It needed to take a break. So we restarted and... All right. So now we're going to talk about a thing that if you've read the collaboration equation, isn't in the book. So this is like extra bonus content right now. And this was the thing that all of us were like, holy geez, crap, this was super amazing. <laughs> this is the value matrix. So, Yes. The value matrix is a combination of your team charter, your communication agreement, and then you come out of that and pick, say, five or six team values that you want to work on over the next unforeseeable period of time. And these and these are not like company mandated things. These are things like like you and I would agree. And we had this conversation. When we were working on stuff together. Like, what do we want to get out of this? How are we going to work on this stuff together? Exactly. Right. What matters to us? Okay. So here is just this. Just gives us what our values are. After we, you know, we did this discussion. We did the long thing with the team charter. We did right. the communications agreement. Then we wanted to decide on a handful of team values. Okay. Um, and this, these are the values for our problem solving team. Um, it's not the values of the department. It's not even the values of the section that we work in. It is this self-made team mm -hmm. um, that is dedicated to problem solving that we just, that's what we wanted to do. And problem solving together. You're, you're creating an identity for yourselves as a group. 
That's exactly right. And and actually, one of the things was come up with a better team name, and we never did come up with a better team name. But so our values: um, analyze, identify, and solve problems. Okay. Collaborate and build trust. Ask for and offer help when needed. Um, align our actions with the mission of our program. Okay. Um, create and usual, utilize visual systems. Big part of the uh, lean agile. Um, class, um, be confident, but diplomatic and build relationships. Okay. Those are some pretty damn good values for the team. And you have, um, you're building relationships with other departments too. That was one of the things that was in that thing, like areas of progress. Right. Okay. It's build relationships between our small team, build relationships with the other people in our program, and ultimately um, try to poke some holes in the silos that this department just has steel walls mm-hmm. around. We've got a um, health services analysis section. We've got an office of the medical director section. Okay. And they don't, I don't want to say they don't play well together because they do, but they just don't, they don't collaborate. Sure. They're not in, um, sync. in an intentional way. That's a really big, what you just said is really important, like collaborating in an intentional way, because that's what all this stuff I think is about, is it's getting people to decide, I'm going to choose to engage in this way at this level to work with these people so that I get some benefit. I mean, I, I for me, like, that's a really important thing. I don't, when people have jobs, and I don't mean this as a judgment, but there are people who have jobs where they don't get anything out of it. Yes. If you leave where you work every day and you haven't been challenged or found some way to like amp up your skills, that's sad. And that's a sad way to spend a day. And I think as a manager, you need to help people find the spark that makes that happen. Right, right. So like before I, I mentioned that we were terrified about presenting at this conference. Mm-hmm. So part of the value matrix, um, our value be confident but diplomatic, we decided to use that about our fear. So um, you okay. do your current state. We're freaking out over the IR. <laughs> the, that's the name of the conference. Expectations. Okay. So okay, let's admit it. Let's name it. Um, then okay, well let's start talking about some of the projects that could work for that. Let's start practicing. Um, now, did, they, did they want to get better at it? Like, was it like, uh, we're nervous about this and we're having a seizure about it and we want to not, or we just want to never participate in that at all? It was more like that we knew that eventually we would all have to. Okay. So you're to be proactive so, about it. So we, yeah, we wanted okay. to get in front of that. Um, so part of it, yeah, just present to a smaller group um, to practice and then... Eventually, we're at at the meeting itself. Once you identify your values, you you say what the current state is. Then, okay, what's something that we can do next month? You okay. know, don't be too aggressive. Just take something very simple. Sure. And then, yeah, it's what can we roll out quickly? Then what follows that quick rollout? Right. And then what can we put off, which is actually okay. going and presenting at a conference? And that's the way that um, they were developed in the class to um, to use them. And 
fortunately, we have come back to this a couple times. We made this in July. Okay. And it was scheduled out until October. Um, we probably, so this is where some of this falls down. Okay. Um, we create all these beautiful um, artifacts. Yeah. And it's hard to have the will to go back and actually revisit. Okay, okay. here's where we were. What are we going to do from there? It's just like creating your obeya, which yeah. is another topic for another day. Yes. But you have to make the thing useful. It has to be a living team. thing, right? It's got to be something that you can come back to and be invigorated by coming back to it, not being like, yeah, whatever. That's right. You have yeah. to want to come back and use it. And this was great, you know, for the initial um, work that we were doing, got yeah. us through a few months, but no one has brought up, hey, I think we should go back and revisit our values matrix. Huh. Okay. So I don't know if I should bring that back up. See what I think I'll I'll try that. See what yeah, they I say. I should. And okay. the thing with the Obeya was similar. I made something that was way too complicated. It was nothing but like 12 Kanbans on a big sheet. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. But I did have something up behind me. We're we're moving offices here. I was, was wondering where your stuff went because you used to have a whole yeah. board there. Okay. Well, it was, it was funny. In the last call, um, someone brought up, oh, how do you start doing an Obeya? And um, Jim, he's very sneaky, as you right. well know. He goes, Eric, what do you have on that wall behind you? I've been watching that over the last year yeah. that we've been having these calls. What the hell is going on back there? So it was he was very nice. And so I explained what, what it's, and he goes, that's exactly what you should be doing. Something that people use. And then I said, well, do you want to see an example of how not to do this? And they all go, yeah, yeah, definitely. So I showed the thing that was just a monstrosity of Kanbans and multicolored sticky notes. Yeah. Um, it looked like, you know, Rothko painting or something. It was just, it was a mess and nobody wanted to use it. Yeah. So, well, that, that's the thing about those the visualizing the work is if you're not, I guess, aware of it, you can make stuff that people that is too daunting for people to use, too complicated. So did you did you go about having everybody do this like all in one sitting, or were they were they asynchronous, or were they like over days or weeks, or like how did it all happen? So I think we did it over about a month's time. Because okay. there was three exercises and then um, the follow-ups. So I think we did one a week. Okay. And no one was in the office. It was all over Teams. Okay. And were um, you like I, circling back and updating previous stuff as you built the new stuff? No, fortunately, we could get one step done. We, we were oh, wow. fortunate. Okay. Yeah. Just like when we did our value stream map. You know, we had enough yeah. time that we could get it done yeah. and then move on. Because okay. I think that could kill. Well, I, I, for us, like we kept going back around the loop on all of them because we would realize something, you know, on this particular quadrant and realize, oh, well, that affected the other things that we did. So for me, like that was a great way that they all stayed alive was that they all kept impacting one another. Yeah. So that's something that I need to learn out of this. It's like, when do you go back and when do you just go forward? Um, yeah. 
Well, like for I, me, I it helps thinking of them as they are not, they're not things that I create and leave. They're things that I create and engage with constantly. And it's an evolving thing. Um, well, yeah, uh, you were done. fortunate that done. you had people that were, you know, doing the same task, you know, because yes. you were all taking the class, right? Yeah. So you're all motivated to go back. I was fortunate as well that yeah. the people were dedicated to doing this, but they weren't in the class. So they, they um, weren't as motivated to go back. And if you had people that weren't motivated, that would make it even harder. You'd have to find some win for them in, in re-engaging with it. Okay. But you were, so you were remote. You don't have to be all in the same room. I was remote when I did it. Okay. Um, and so you're going to keep using this, I'm assuming, going forward and build on it, or at some point revisit it with the team and see what's changed? I, I think I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask and see what they think, because we've been using the visual management techniques, which was one of our values, okay, um, for about everything that we've done, whether it's scheduling, um, going okay. around to a bunch of different groups to talk to them, whether it's doing – we've done probably a dozen or more affinity maps – Everybody okay. loves using these visual management tools, especially mm -hmm. since we're um, doing these distributed teams. Okay. So this might be a thing you use to set up your team and then come back to six months, a year from now and redo it and just notice what's changed. But in the meantime, it has set you off in a path that is giving you enough to be efficient. Like it's, it's not, you have to be perfect at filling all these forms out, but you get enough fuel out of them to move forward together. Yeah, I think that's a good okay. way. Yeah, it definitely stoked the fires. Um, it got us all together. It got us all wanting to do, to think about our work, how we were doing our work, and how we can do it in a more intentional and collaborative yeah. fashion, which doesn't come naturally, I don't think. Yeah. But you can't force it at the same time. So... It comes naturally to children. It doesn't come naturally to adults because we've been taught to compete with each other. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so maybe to, it's good that there's two. I don't know if it, gender matters, but there was two, two guys, um, two ladies in the group. Um, so we're balanced that way. Okay. Um, you know, we're all the way from 30 to 60. We're, mm -hmm. you know, good uh, mix of generations. Okay. And we all have the same values that we're working for by choice, the same department um, yeah. that has the same mission. So cool. This was really awesome, man. Thank you for walking through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about you think people should know about this stuff? Just that you have to try it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry that it's perfect. Yeah. Don't worry about failing. You have to be a little fearless. Um, and just do it. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is learn. The like, worst thing you that. can do is learn. <laughs> That's right. Um, That's right. Well, what if people want to reach out to you and ask you more questions about this or, or just acknowledge and offer you some praise for bringing hope to government workers, which is <laughs> a rare thing, I'd imagine. I guess they could email me if they like. Okay. 
Um, I could provide you. I think you have. Yeah, I'll, put it, I'll put it in the show notes and people can find you that way. Cool. And sure, if, if they want to, yeah. If they want to learn these methods, where's the best place for them to go, Eric? Well, they should probably go to the Modus Institute website. <laughs> yeah. And even if they there's a, there's now a free um, community yep. that they can join and they can, you know, read all the posts and get involved that way. If they spend a little bit of money, um, I think it's $250, they can have access to this great, the uh, problem solving training, the finding solutions, it's called, okay. I think was great. And then there's a section on distributed teams that they made even before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and that that's, I think that's important as well. And, you know, you get a year of, of videos and if you buy it for at least three or four people, you can go through it together. And I think it would really make it hard. And I think, you know, you probably kind of had that problem, I think, Dave, at first, since you don't really work with um, your kind of a lone wolf. Yeah. It was harder to. It's harder you know, to do a value stream map, map when you're the own. only person on the team. <laughs> exactly. How do I exactly. collaborate with myself now? Yeah. It helps right. to have a team. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's and and there's the certification too. So we definitely want to encourage people to go check that out because I know for both of us, you know, I keep describing it to people. It's like I had an old radio that was mono, and now I have quadraphonic <laughs> sound. Um, it has opened things to me, opened me up to things that I just couldn't see before. So uh, I it really, I, it really has, and I think yeah. we all had an instinct that we knew things could be better, and that people were suffering in their work. Yeah, and for some reason, we just care. Um, about people suffering. Yeah. Like they want to make help. it a little better. Yeah. Cool. Make it a little better. So well, thank you, man. I really appreciate this. Yeah. This was fun. No problem, Dave. And we Always finally nice got one done. We finally recorded a podcast. Down. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'll expect cool. the check in the mail. Yeah. Yes. It will be coming forthwith. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>